welcome back to the If It Fits podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Payne. And I'm your other host, Michelle Jane. Woohoo! <laughs> How are you, Michelle? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. And you've got some news, so let's just get straight into that. Okay, so my news is... Um, I am no longer on prep, so I decided to stop prep um, just after the last podcast, actually. So I'll be honest, I've lost my menstrual cycle, which is a sign that things are not all okay. I think it's mainly down to stress, not just stress of the prep, but just, I just got a lot of things going on, puppy training, um, the nutrition course, business, obviously prep added to that. Um, so health always comes first. So health should come before aesthetics. So I've just decided to take a step back, put my calories up, reduce my cardio. And I tried CrossFit last night because I've always wanted to try CrossFit. And I thought, now I'm taking a step back from um, prep. I'm going to train for fun and train, do something that I want to do rather than just train because I have to for um, a show. So yeah, I'm a CrossFitter now. <laughs> I, do you know what? CrossFit is something that I've wanted to try. I actually did do the two week on ramp years ago. I'd need to do it again now because I'm useless at all of the moves. But yeah, something that is fun because it's, it's functional. It makes you feel fit. You get fitter and um, it's just enjoyable. And I think that's really great that you've made that decision to just step back and enjoy it. And usually like you'll find that the stress will start to go you'll just feel happier in general you'll get that love and buzz for training back not that it went but you know it can sort of die down a little bit sometimes can't it so I think that's awesome and you'll naturally just probably find that you'll naturally then be happy with your physique and how it's progressing without even specifically trying yeah so yeah so I'm still I still plan to get leaner but my calories are up to maintenance now um drop the cardio, but I really did enjoy um, CrossFit. I think mainly because we did do um, different types of deadlift, um, stiff leg, Romanian, standard deadlift, hip thrust, step ups. So it's the exercises that I do anyway. Yeah. It was incorporated into like some rowing and whatever, but I actually really enjoyed it. But I'm going to go back next week to a session doing exercises that I don't usually do, like, um, clean and press, snatch, overhead um, overhead squats, just to see if I actually enjoy it doing exercises that I'm not used to, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it's so good. And it's something I'd like to do as well in the future to learn all those moves again. <laughs> I mean, I learned them for two weeks, so I wasn't an expert <laughs> by any means. And I was pretty useless, to be fair. I was the worst. We had to pass like all of these different things to be accepted, to, like move into the I don't know if that's normal for every CrossFit gym, but that's what I had to do. And we had to do like um, wall, you know, you like a handstand, but against the wall. Oh my oh, God. Yeah. Walk up the wall with your feet and back down. I hate stuff like that. <laughs> so I was uh, a bit nervous, but yeah, it's just so fun. So the only exercise we did and I hate doing, I absolutely hate a bear crawl. So I feel like a right freaking idiot. But, I just yeah I did it. it and neither did my knees like my body just does not like beer crawls it, it was part of a warm-up it was so it, it was all right but yeah it's not for me no me neither but um so nice thing you. and big big news and just um a really important message there for everyone I think as well like just pay attention to your health is not worth 
risking it and I know you've been through a prep before obviously and you wanted to give it another go this time but you have to listen to your gut on whether it's right continuing and I think you've made a really good decision so yeah and, and to lose your cycle this far out is is not really normal it, it is normal it, it is quite common for females yeah. to lose their cycle towards the end when your body fat is so low like my body fat is not low at the minute um but I just think is a it's a it's all the factors i think i think it's not just prep but prep is obviously putting stress on the body so when your menstrual cycle goes it's because of stress not just like the stressed out but stress on the body as well so obviously the, the amount of cardio i was doing the calorie deficit and the intense training um accumulation of um like work my courses it's it's just all added up so yeah like health is so much more important than how you look so i think it's absolutely the right decision for me to take a step back oh definitely like you said you've got so much else going on and you have to be in the right mind frame to put yourself through something extreme like that so at least now you can you know work on your goals but in a more sustainable manner and healthy manner you know where you're not forcing yourself to do cardio late at night if you haven't fit it in and things like that so yeah well done happy days well done for making the decision because mm. i know that would have been a big decision for you especially with it being such a big decision to start another prep in the first yeah. place yeah i am gutted to be honest i am gutted because i obviously i've bought my bikini oh um my what about that and i've registered for the show but you know health is, is more important than money to be honest so um i'll still get my bikini sent i'll base it on my last measurements um if i do decide to do a prep in the future then i've got a bikini um if not, you've got a nice bikini to wear if not i just got a nice bikini to wear in the house <laughs> <laughs> around the house and you can just do a photo shoot in it there's nothing that, is there? yeah but yeah so how's your training going my training is going okay but i've got a really bad it's a really long boring story which i won't go into but i've suffered with knee problems for the past four or five years basically um the year before lockdown i had three four months off complete lower body training had to start from scratch again couldn't even walk on a very slight incline on the treadmill like i couldn't go for a walk i couldn't wear heels couldn't do anything but nobody can figure out the problem and it goes and it comes back and it goes and it comes back and the last three days on my walk this morning again went on my walk and felt this massive pain on the inside of my knee but I keep getting told different um, different things by the physio, so I, th I think I need an MRI. So that's annoying me. But I'm just going to try and you know train smart and sensibly around that at the moment. I know that not training doesn't really make it better. Yeah, I need to strengthen up the quad muscles around it. So just going to focus on going a little bit lighter and slower in the tempo, which is really annoying because I just really want to lift really heavy. <laughs> like being yeah. getting back into my flow and doing so well. And I'm, I'm not going to lift too light, obviously, but yeah, that's just frustrated me a little bit. And this week I've just had the most insane leg doms to the point where for the past four nights, I've been waking up all night where I'm trying to like turn over and like my muscles are, shaking and cramping so <laughs> i don't know why i've done this week i think i've absolutely battered my low body by accident so i've taken a couple of days off low body and i'm going to try and attempt a leg session today so but apart from that all good it's been a bit of a busy two weeks if i'm honest with um 
trips, weddings, family commitments and things like that. But we went up to the world's strongest man or the Giants live event last Oh yeah, how was that? In Manchester. Oh, it was so good. I absolutely love World's Strongest Man. I've been watching it since I was a toddler. I don't know if you watch watch that at all. I, I don't really follow it, no. Oh, I followed it literally for as long as I can remember. My dad was always into it. So I've watched it every year for, I think, since I was a toddler. Um, so yeah, I took my mum and dad up to Manchester to watch that show. And it was just so good. They did the World Deadlift Championship. So they were attempting to beat the world record, which is currently 500 kilograms. And they Ah, were- Ah, yeah, he didn't do it, did he? He didn't do it, no. So they attempted 505 kilos and he got it up, like he got it up off the floor, but he couldn't pull it like quite up past his knees and lock it out. So I think within the next six months, there'll probably be a new world record. So I was a bit gutted that I didn't get to see that, but it was still an awesome show. I mean, they're just insanely strong. But yeah, what I love about it is how how nice they are as people. You know, they they've got a really strong like team spirit. They help each other in and out of their like deadlift suits, and I just love it. It's such a good atmosphere. So, absolutely awesome time there. Really, really good. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Should we get on with what we wanted to talk about today? Yeah. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about is your healthy food actually healthy? Um, so we're just going to cover a different few topics. So the first one is going to be reduced fat. So when you see the term reduced fat on a label, like what does it actually mean? Do you know what it means? So basically the words reduced fat on a food label indicate that the product contains 25% less fat than the original version. Now, this does not necessarily mean that the pod product is low in fat. It just means that it's 25% lower in fat than the original. Now, a product can be labeled low in fat if it contains three grams or less in fat per serving and the total fat content is 30% or less of the total calorie count. Many reduced fat products still contain significant amounts of fat. This may be especially true of reduced fat dessert products such as ice cream, cakes or cookies because obviously the original version is quite high in fat to begin with. Now, in fact, a reduced fat food item may be unhealthier in some aspects than the original version of the product. It's not uncommon for additional salt, sugar, to be added to the reduced fat food to make up for the loss of flavor because it's reduced in fat. Now, this can especially be troublesome for those who are um, health conscious or watching their sodium or sugar intake. And also, it may contain um, different, what are the words I'm looking for? What else it contain, Jess? Like, it's gone up my mind. They sometimes yeah, chemicals. chemicals, basically. They just pump them with other stuff to replace the um the fat content that they've removed basically don't they to improve taste and yeah all of that yeah so just because it's lower is reduced fat it doesn't mean that it's going to be less calories so it might be lower in fat but then they've added sugar in so it could be the same amount of calories so it's super important that you get to know how to read food labels so don't be sucked in by the reduced fat label because it might be lower in fat but doesn't mean it's lower in sugar or lower in calories 
Yeah, and I think the funny thing with food labelling is, I mean, it's just a minefield, isn't it? And there's so many different rules and regulations and then exemptions and different tolerances that are allowed. So whilst, I mean, it's good that some foods have reduced fat and... But remember that fat isn't the devil either. Fat doesn't need to be demonised and it is essential that we do have, you know, a certain intake of dietary fats. We've mentioned a few times on the podcast now. So you don't need to be looking for low fat, low fat, low fat, everything. Nothing wrong with buying a few things low fat. For example, I always buy the total 0% fat Greek yogurt because I love it. It's lower in calories than the 5% version or the full fat version. And it is literally just strained yogurt. So they haven't added anything into that yogurt. And I know that. But then you don't have any issues with getting your fat content into you. So a lot of my clients, oh. for example, go for the lower 0% yogurt, then don't eat any of the fats. Whereas yeah. if they went for the higher fat yogurt, then they wouldn't really have to add any extra fats in. So like the full fat yogurt is good if you're struggling to get your fats in. You don't have to always go for the 0% exactly. yogurt. Exactly. That, and that's the important thing. It's about what you're eating in the rest of the diet where I... So I'll have like cashew nuts. I have chia seeds on my oats in the morning. I'll have like avocado and, you know, lots of sources of fats. I have cheese, yeah. omelets and things like that. So I am building up fats elsewhere in my diet. So I'm not avoiding fat. It's just that for that particular project, I like it to be low calorie just because it means that I can fit in, well, more of my two squares of chocolate, my bit more. Yeah, I, see. <laughs> I can fit in some, I can fit in some Biscoff. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, I'm just uh, being clever with my calories there rather than trying to avoid fat, to be honest. But yeah, I think that's, you know, such important point to people to remember. So whilst, you know, it's great that we've got the food label in there to tell us when things are reduced fat, low in fat, whatever it might be. It is, you don't have to be constantly on the lookout for low fat versions because, you know, that's not absolutely necessary at all. And we do want to have some fat in our diet. And what Michelle said about just take some time to look at the food labels and have a little look what else has been included. Look, compare, you know, a reduced fat and a normal product. Look at the sugar content in both of them. Look at the calories in both of them and then make an informed decision about which one you think is best for you at, at that time. And that might be the the normal version rather than the reduced fat. Quite often I was looking at, um, what was it, a couple of months ago? I think I was getting some dairy triangles because me and Ronnie both love having that. I like weird lunches, as you know. I like to mash a dairy <laughs> triangle through two eggs on crumpet. <laughs> I used to have them when I was on Weight Watchers because it wasn't that many um, points in them. But I, I think I remember that like the reduced fat version, I can't remember off the top of my head now. I should have looked it up before we started, but it was literally hardly anything. And the calories were like a couple of calories. So I just literally buy the original version of Dairy Lee because they're nicer <laughs> and there's hardly anything in it. So yeah, I just, I just make informed decisions about what's best. I think in a normal Dairy Lee, it's like 43 calories. The reduced fat version was lower calorie. It was like 38 calories or something like that. And I was like, oh, for the sake of that, I'm just going with the other one. Yeah, it's not worth not it. my fats up anyway. <laughs> so yeah, really, really good points there. Just pay attention to the labels and don't just assume that low fat or reduced fat necessarily means you know especially if you are on a diet you're trying to maintain a calorie deficit 
then you know it might be actually higher in calories or yeah. higher in sugar and other things that you might not necessarily want to be um awesome. having amounts of so yeah so reduce fat doesn't mean reduce calories <laughs> no okay so another thing i wanted to talk about was this marketing trend on high protein so i think more and more people now are becoming aware of the need for high protein in the diet was something that we bang on about so that's absolutely great to see that you know people are becoming more aware of it you, you see people more and more people these days are eating protein bars for example and now obviously recently in last couple of years we've seen the introduction of high protein cereals you know you'll have high protein Weetabix, high protein granola, high protein Mars bars, high protein Snickers, all of these different things, which is absolutely great. But again, not necessarily always the better option for you. And they're just very clever on this marketing. And I don't know exactly what the requirements are in terms of, um, you know, what they have to the criteria they have to meet in order to label the food high protein. I wasn't able to find that. I was trying to research a load of this stuff and I'm finding it quite difficult on the government website. So I need to look into it. We'll have to do a recap again in a few months. But but basically, I just wanted to provide some examples. And a lot of the time, this is to do with money, like saving money, to be honest. And so, for example, if you were to get two protein Weetabix biscuits, versus two Weetabix original biscuits for the for the protein version you're getting 7.1 grams and for the normal version you're getting 4.5 grams so that's three grams extra but the normal version you get um less calories so the normal version is 136 calories the high protein version is 143 calories so you can see they're very very similar there in calories in comparison and the protein yes is three grams more but i mean three grams is not really anything to write it's worth the price <laughs> and and then that's the problem the price for those are going to be far more expensive they're usually like a couple of pounds more expensive so for the sake of three grams where you could make up protein you know from your lean meats your plant sources whatever you're getting it from for the rest of the day is it worth it i got a couple of other examples here so you know the greys I, I usually buy greys like if i'm out and about in a train station or something and like the greys nutty protein power they've got like those nuts and they call it this nutty protein power so a 40 gram serving of that gets you 8.8 .8 grams of protein Yet a 40 gram serving of just normal unbranded peanuts gets you 10.8 grams of protein and three extra calories. So <laughs> there's nothing in that and the nuts are probably going to be far more economical as well. Again, a 40 gram slice of Tesco protein bread gets you 5.4 grams of protein and 102 calories. A 40 gram slice of wholemeal bread, Tesco 4.5 grams of protein so you get one extra gram of protein and 20 less calories as well um or about 15 Crazy. less calories and like i said they're far more expensive and sometimes it's just not worth it so if you really fancy and michelle you've used that example recently of your ex-client i think it was who Waited. oh she wanted a chocolate bar wanted the chocolate bar she wanted <laughs> crunchy and then she had a protein bar instead so like you said she's she spent two pound fifty on a protein bar 
had however many extra calories 50 extra calories or whatever and still hadn't had the chocolate bar that she was actually craving and she still wanted the chocolate bar after that (laughs) so it's just about it's not common sense really because they're being clever in their marketing and they're obviously targeting us and like i said i love that they're making the general population more aware of the fact that we want to be eating more protein in our diet so all of that's great and if you like the products and you're happy to spend the money on them no issues whatsoever but just just spend some time considering it and don't feel like because you're looking at these high protein versions that that means then that you can't have a high protein diet because you don't actually need any of these additional added protein things in your diet when you've got things like natural greek yogurt chicken steak meat um tofu all of the plant-based sources quinoa corn even you know you've got all of those that you can make up protein from the rest of your diet so i think they're targeted at people who want to look for all of these snacks um but they're not necessary and way more expensive so just just spend your time basically having a little look at if it's worth buying it or not is it worth the money or can you get more protein out of the rest of your diet Okay, so I just worked out. I'm literally on my fitness pal now. Yeah. So where is the, the biscuits? Where I think it was just over three grams of protein between them. Which biscuits? Weetabix, was it? Oh, Weetabix, yeah, yeah. Three grams? Yeah. For 10 grams of cooked chicken, it's 3.1 grams of protein. So if you just add, so if you usually have 120 grams of chicken with your dinner, if you add 130 grams of chicken, basically extra 10 grams of chicken is going to cost you hardly anything. You've added the 3.1 grams of protein you would have got from your biscuits. So if you just have no more Weetabix biscuits, it's going to cost you a lot cheaper. Um, and you get your extra protein in your chicken. So basically okay. an extra 10 grams of chicken is nothing. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And this is something that I do try and reiterate to my clients and people that I speak to because everybody's always out looking for protein snacks. I need snacks. I need this. I need high protein, low calorie foods. And I'm like, well, you don't really, you just need to eat normally, but manipulate the the volume of the foods that you're eating. And that there is literally a perfect example um, about, you know, just increasing the portion of chicken that you're having on your lunch, you know, increase that by 30 grams, even from 120 grams to 150 grams, you're getting an extra nine grams of protein. And these are the volumes of other values that people are often missing you know people are missing like some of my clients will check in and they'll be 20 to 30 grams below their protein target and if you've just done that one small movement you've got you know if you've got 20 grams left to hit your target you've already hit 10 just by adding 30 grams extra chicken without having to stress and go and spend loads of money on all of these well-branded well-marketed high cost (laughs) protein snacks yeah, especially when somebody fancies a chocolate bar, like we've already touched on with my client. If it's a certain chocolate bar that you want, when a protein bar is not going to cut it, because after you've eaten it, you're still going to want your chocolate bar. And you're better off financially just to eat the chocolate bar because you're going to buy the protein bar, which is double the price, and you're still going to end up buying the chocolate bar anyway. Yeah, <laughs> so if you do fancy a chocolate bar, especially if you're in a, you know, your um, calorie counting, like chocolate is not the devil. You can have a bar of chocolate. Obviously, a lot of my clients, they really like the grenade bars and it is a good way of getting 20 grams of protein in. But if you're someone that just wants a bar of chocolate, then don't go and buy a protein bar to compensate for the bar of chocolate that you want. Just go and buy the bar of chocolate. Yeah, 
100% agree, definitely. Okay, next one. Also, next up is ingredients list. Um, I don't know if like a lot of you are aware how the ingredients are listed on a food label. So most pre-packed food products have a list of ingredients on the back um, of the label. Well, they all do have the, the ingredients in the back of the label. Now, the ingredients list can also help you work out if the product is healthy or not. Now, I know a lot of you get a bit confused with like grams and numbers on how many grams you're supposed to be having of things. So an easy way of looking if a product is healthy or not or high in fat is looking at the ingredients list. Now, the ingredients are listed in order of weight. So the main ingredients in the package is uh, the food always comes first. So the main ingredient always comes first. So that means if the first few ingredients are high in fat ingredients, such as cream, butter, oil, then the food in question is a high fat food. So it's just an easy way of you looking um, to see if the product is like a healthy, healthy version or high in fat or not. If you're a bit confused by numbers, just turn the packet over. If the first three ingredients are things like cream, oil and butter, it's high in fat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think food labels are something that are quite they can be misunderstood and some people even though they are quite simple and they try to be simple they can be quite complicated for some people to understand so i definitely think it's good for people to just take note and have a little think about what they what they're looking at really and remembering the the recommended food intakes as well is something that i always want to try and reiterate is that they're not really the recommended intake for everyone so it's kind of like you've got to take the government guidelines with a bit of pinch of salt as well <laughs> yeah uh, just because they're not you know they're based on some fictional average woman or average man not everybody is the same but i definitely think the traffic light system is great it's a quick and easy way to have a look i pay attention to them and look at them but equally again another thing that i do notice is when they're pointing out like a high fat food again sometimes fat is important in our diet so I, I don't necessarily not eat something because it's got a red they tell you to look out for the amber and the greens don't they but um you don't necessarily have to avoid the red always but it's always about looking at the diet in its entirety what you're eating for the rest of the day making informed choices about even if you've got one of those that had red 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 on everything it's about not being afraid to eat that provided the rest of your diet is you know really healthy and looking really good made up of lots of lots of macronutrients micronutrients vitamins minerals fiber all of that sort of thing so they're definitely a useful um tool like i said i look at them all the time but again it's just about having that bit of understanding isn't it and being able to understand what they're trying to demonstrate and then making the informed decisions and not taking everything for granted or or seeing a food as bad. I think that's just sometimes where people can potentially become a little bit confused about seeing something as a bad food when looking at those yeah. systems. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, we just, we just 
touch a little bit on, we just jumped a little bit on the traffic light system, but um, the traffic light system can be a bit confusing and a bit misleading sometimes because of the um, colours can be based on an average portion size, like Jessica just said, the portion size is just based on like one person's metrics. So if the portion size on the packet is not necessarily the portion size we would actually have. So for example, so a portion size of cereal is 30 grams. I'm not being funny, but who eats 30 grams of cereal? Definitely not me. <laughs> <laughs> so I usually have 60 grams of cereal. So the traffic light system for me, so for, for example, if the, the sugar on the, the traffic light system says it was amber based on 30 grams, then by the time I've had two bowls, the equivalent of two bowls, that would be probably in the red then, because I don't usually have that portion size. So even though the traffic light system is, is, is good for you to give an understanding of um, how much fat and sugar is in that food. Um, like Jessica said, the portion size, I would just take as a pinch of salt because they, um, they're different for everyone. Yeah, and like you were saying, you know, looking at the ingredients list is far more important and having the knowledge on that and how that works is absolutely essential really for anyone because so many people just don't understand what they're looking at there there is like you said there is relevance to the order in which the ingredients are listed on items um and it's just about having that knowledge and sort of understanding so if you're seeing you know some i don't know what i don't really know what things could be at the end of a of a thing but that means they're in they're within the product within very minute amounts so you don't necessarily need to worry about it and yeah that's it really i'm just trying to look at this label then but there's, there's nothing on it i know i'm 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 talking <laughs> i'm also trying to look at it all next to me but i'm not really getting much from it so so yeah i need to have some different food up here but but yeah basically just look at the ingredients lists armed with the knowledge now that what is at the start of it is the main ingredient you know, the main ingredient of that product and as you go further and further down the list they are you know in the product in less and less quantities so you don't need to stress so much about them but again if you are looking to like reduce sugar reduce fat if you see sugar as number one or two then perhaps don't have that product and select something else you know you might be on a specific type of diet for a specific reason um even with fats with all of that you know, if you've got a clinical condition, for example, you definitely want to be looking at those ingredients lists and taking into account what they are telling you. Yeah, exactly. So going back to the traffic light. So basically, so for ease, if you're standing in a supermarket aisle and you're looking at two similar products, trying to decide which one to choose, uh, you want to obviously make the healthier choice, but you're in a hurry. If you're buying ready, a ready meal, just for an example, um, Check to see if the nutrition label on the, the front of the pack, so the uh, traffic lights, and see how it stacks up. So basically the amount of energy, calories, fat, saturated fat, sugars, and salt. So just look at the traffic light label. So if the nutrition labels, they use colors, um, red, amber, and green. So basically you want to try and choose when there's got more greens and amber and fewer reds. Um, so it's just an easy way. So if you're trying to choose between two different ready meals, I don't really recommend them, but <laughs> um, just for ease. 
Um, try and go for one that's got more ambers and greens. But remember, even healthier ready meals may contain higher calories, fat, um, than the homemade equivalent. So they're all right for now and then, but I would prefer you to cook at home. <laughs> I always definitely recommend, you know, home cooked over processed foods regardless, isn't it? Just like I said, they are a useful, a useful tool to look at. I use them all the time and I do make informed decisions, but it doesn't bother me if there are a couple of reds either, because I know that fats are important in the diet. So if the fat is shown as red and I'm like, okay, well, for the rest of the day, I'm hardly eating any fats here, making in choices like that, isn't it? So yeah. we just want to try and educate people and just get people thinking a little bit more, basically, when you are out looking at ingredients lists, looking at labels and making decisions on what you're eating. We're hoping to just try and get people to stop, have a look and think and not necessarily yeah. think, oh God, that's bad. I can't eat that. Or that's really good because it's all green and amber. It's about making these decisions based on the rest of your diet the rest of your day and and then if i mean if there is something that you really want and it's not looking the best in terms of nutritional value if the rest of your meals all day are like fruits vegetables lean protein and lots of color and variety happy days enjoy it <laughs> yeah exactly i was just going to say so if something is red higher in salt but then the rest of the day you're cooking from scratch and you're eating fruit and veg and lean protein. And yeah. even though that one meal or product, whatever it is you're buying, is higher in salt, if you add that to the rest of your day, then you're still going to be within your salt allowance. So even though we want you to look at labels, but don't always be put off by the reds because it's red for that amount of food, but not just like red for your whole day. Does that make sense? Um, so once you add that into, like Jess said, if you're eating fruit, veg, lean proteins, complex carbs the rest of the day, and you're not eating processed food, then even though that's red, higher in salt, is you're not going to be over your salt intake for the day necessarily. Yeah, perfect. So to summarise, read the ingredients lists on the backs of foods and start just start picking up the products um, that you normally eat and just have a little look at them, you know, not for any reason, you know, not to stop, just to start having a little look and out of interest. I find it fascinating when you look at the ingredients lists and I usually look at the ingredients lists in like soup. I'm like, how much potato is in the soup? <laughs> and I like them to be quite thick. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, if there's only like 2% potato, I'm not getting it. <laughs> So yeah, I like to do that. Look at ingredients lists and just have a little practice, like I said, with the things around your house, just to start getting familiar with them. And then also start doing the same with the traffic light system because they kind of work hand in hand and and yeah, definitely start becoming, you know, a bit more knowledgeable on, on the whole area of it and being able to make informed decisions and when you go out. So we, we just want to empower people really to understand what they're looking at think about things in a more critical way and empower people to make these decisions for themselves based on the rest of their diet yeah okay so another thing i wanted to bring up was just briefly sugar in general so another thing we're talking a lot here about um high in fat low in fat and all of that but another thing that obviously people do tend to look out for is sugar now, obviously, this is we don't want our diet to be full of sugar, obviously. But equally, there is this misconception that sugar does make you fat. You know, a lot of people think sugary foods make them fat. And 
sometimes a couple of people lately have mentioned to me, you know, their their addiction to sugar or they're giving into their sugar cravings and it's really bad. And once they start, they can't stop. So I just wanted to, I know it doesn't really fit in with like food labeling and all, but I just thought it tied in quite nicely because people are out there making decisions on eating or not eating a food based on sugar, which is good, really good to have that. But I'm starting to find then that people are restricting themselves too much. So sugar, there is no evidence to find, to demonstrate, sorry, that sugar is addictive. It's not addictive. Multiple studies have shown that. However, that's not to discredit people, obviously, who do believe that they are addicted to sugar or, you know, they feel really strongly to it. But it's mainly based around the behaviours. People It's people's behaviours rather than sugar actually being addictive. So what we tend to find is that if you are restricting yourself of chocolate bars, you know, we've just discussed the chocolate bar um, and swapping that for protein and not going for the one that you really want, if you're restricting yourself of these things over time, you are naturally going to start thinking about them more and more. You're going to want it. It feels then like this huge craving and it can feel like you're addicted to it because you might have restricted it for five, six weeks. Then you suddenly have it and the floodgates are open and you go and end up eating loads of chocolate and everything that you want all night. But that's because you've restricted it. So I do try and advise people who are, who are feeling like this to, just start incorporating a little bit into your diet, you know, have a little fun sized bar of chocolate at night or incorporate something into your diet on a daily basis if necessary, you know, not taking up the whole diet or the whole calories, whatever. But as long as the rest of your day is full of nutritiously dense foods, color, variety, fruits, veg, you know, we always talk about having a little chocolate bar at the end of the day isn't going to do you any harm. And it can often be better for you in the long run depending on the type of person that you are but if you are feeling like you're addicted i think the more you eat it then the more you incorporate it into your diet the less naughty you're going to feel if you have it and then it just becomes like a oh well i eat that anyway so it's not restricted so you don't feel the need to go out and have this big binge fest on loads of chocolate once you finally give in and start eating it a little bit and sugar so it's not bad we don't want our diets to be full of it it doesn't make us fat but i think the problem we do have with sugar is that it's obviously usually part of foods that are really tasty they're not very satiating they're cast as sort it's of highly palatable isn't it? they're it's highly palatable sugar. Sugar. and they're designed to do that they're designed to make us want more because they're absolutely lush like who doesn't want a <laughs> bar of chocolate or you know a lush meringue nest which is just full of sugar i mean i love them <laughs> but yeah it's not bad so but what we find is that if you if you are eating foods that are really high in sugar they're not satiating so then you still feel hungry which is why you then end up eating more because you're like oh my god i'm so hungry because it hasn't satisfied you it's it's not you know it hasn't got any nutrient you know isn't any nutrient beneficial benefits any nutritious benefits to it as it sugar it's not doing anything positive for your body so we don't want to be replacing all of the good stuff in our diets with sugar and like i said it's mainly you'll eat something really high in sugar it tastes really nice but 30 minutes later you're still absolutely starving because you haven't satisfied any of your nutritious needs basically in the body you're yeah. not full you haven't 
fill the gap. So then you do end up eating more. And that's what when people do start to find then that they'll start perhaps gaining a little bit of weight because they're taking themselves further out of a calorie deficit if, if fat loss is their goal because you're then eating too much of this stuff. So there's a couple of different things said there, but it all ties into this looking at food labels and things as well, because just don't be scared to have a little bit of sugar. And if you do feel especially like you are somebody who craves chocolate, sugar, all of these things, try and allow yourself to have a little bit of it each day. I'm not saying go and have a giant bar of dairy milk every day. But have a little I, bit. I've got a client who lost over three stone and she ate a Freddo every single day. Yeah. At the beginning, she cut it out and she put on her phone the one day, like, I'm really craving chocolate. And I was like, go and have a bar. And her calories were quite low at the point. I was like, right, go and have a Freddo and then have a Freddo every night this week and then tell me how you feel at the end of the check-in next week. And she lost weight and she said, that little Freddo did it for me. That's all I needed. So she kept it in as part of a snack. She had it with some fruit. Yeah, and I guarantee if if you hadn't done that and she'd kept avoiding it, kept avoiding it, a couple of weeks later, she probably would have given in, had a massive bar of chocolate, and yeah. then weekend, like, eating everything to get it out of her system, in inverted commas, and then get back on the diet, which isn't the way to go. Like, just have it in balance. So I just wanted to tie that in whilst we're talking about, you know, fats and ingredients lists and all of these things to look out for don't be afraid to have a little bit of sugar in your diet but equally don't make your diet absolutely full of it yeah i always tell my clients to plan in your meals first like your breakfast lunch and dinner make yeah. sure you've got a good source of protein in each and lots of fiber so lots of fruit and veg by the time you've hit that so i set my clients like non-negotiables once you hit your non-negotiables You've still got calories left, so then add in like your chocolate and your cake or your donut or whatever kind of sugar that you fancy. So you, you're full on from your meals. And yeah. then once you've had that little bit of chocolate or whatever, like you're done, you're full up, you, you're not going to be craving anymore. So I would recommend you planning your meals first and what calories you've got left. You can have what you would class as a treat. Um, then you won't have to binge on it. So I always tell my clients to do that. Yeah, and that's absolutely perfect because... Like I just said, a lot of it is down to hunger. So if you are filling yourself up on these sugary treats, you are still going to feel hungry because you've got nothing satiating going in. So you're then going to want to eat more and then you're going to come out of your calorie deficit. Exactly as Michelle just said, if you fill yourself up first on all of the good stuff, the stuff that's actually providing good nutrients to your body, filling you up and giving you the energy that you require, having that little treat then at the end of the day isn't going to result in a binge because you're already satisfied you don't need to be going and binging on other stuff to try and fill a gap and that should be enough to, to satisfy your craving in inverted commas <laughs> awesome i got nothing to add on sugar you covered that perfectly okay awesome and then as i take a sip of my monster <laughs> just gonna say jess would be a good one to cover this one because she drinks them every day i have tried a couple of monsters yeah i wanted to see what all the fuss was about so yeah, i tried the newest one i've tried i've only tried the three so far so the one you're drinking now i don't know what flavor that is my favorite it's the ultra fiesta that's it i've had the white one which is my favorite so far and I've had the one we had when we was in London, the red one, was it? Oh, the red one, yeah, that's quite nice. Yeah, that's the only three I've had. I don't know how many more left. Yeah, my three favourites. This is my favourite. So I'm, I'm going to try each flavour of the sugar-free ones. And I, that's how far I've got. How many have I got left? 
Well, I mean, if I don't know, I've I've only oh. tried a, a yellow and a green one, and I wasn't that keen on either of those, to be honest. Oh, okay. So, so I do tend to stick to what I know because I'm a creature of habit. So, so yeah, I need to also try the flavors. Maybe we can do that and then rank them in order of our faves just for fun. Okay, cool. So yeah, I'm going to try each flavor. And then I think I'm done then. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just a, another thing that I wanted to briefly touch upon whilst we're talking about um, foods that are good and bad for you and all of that. I've seen so many posts lately, like some of them are absolutely ridiculous about monsters and diet drinks. One of them was calling monster the drink of the devil, um, <sighs> saying all of these things about it, chemicals and all of this stuff and I just wanted to say that there is no at this stage anyway evidence to say that they're they're bad for you and our nutrition course tutor how do you call him our tutor Martin (laughs) (laughs) um he drinks these all the time he's always got a monster in his hand and he's actually you know done a lot of posts and said a lot of stuff about them And he's basically just debunking everything everyone's saying. So a lot of the time people do tend to say, so we were just talking about, you know, ingredients lists and chemicals and stuff like that. And a lot of people use the argument, oh, you're better off having the full sugar version, the original version. Well, no, you're not. Like, especially if you're in a calorie deficit Mm -hmm. and trying to lose fat. But you don't want to be pumping your body full of all that unnecessary sugar. So the zero sugar versions are going to be better for you. But the the argument they give is that it's full of chemicals. And if you can't pronounce it, then it's not good for your body. But all foods are made of chemicals that most people probably can't pronounce. And in fact, Monster Zeros are around 99% water. So looking at the ingredients list, so we were just going through Michelle, the ingredient, the first ingredient, carbonated water. Then there's a flavor enhancer, then there's some taurine and that's like 0.4%. So water is literally Mm. 99% of what is in this. Caffeine is 0.03% of um, a monster zero. It's almost at the end of the list. And at the end of the list is also some vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, inositol. So not really anything bad. There's nothing in this that is going to do anything inherently bad to your body. And we were saying earlier, weren't we, about the Starbucks? So how much? Oh, Costa. Costa is the highest caffeine intake of all the, the coffee shops. So obviously okay. I'm a big you would Costa know because you are a milligrams of coffee in a, in a standard, because um, they do two shots in, a, in Costa, and it's 330 milligrams. 330. So in this kind of monster, which is, you know, 99% water for the rest of it, it's 150 mil approximately of caffeine so you'd have to drink two monsters to get to just one of those starbucks coffees a day and how many coffees do people drink like throughout the day people will have a couple of those they might have a couple couple, but but yeah so i just wanted to just say because a lot of the time like i'll be drinking a monster or somebody i know will and it comes up in conversation you know oh you shouldn't be drinking those oh they're bad for you they are they're bad for you but they're not and hopefully based on what you know what you were saying about the ingredients lists earlier and looking at them look at it it's carbonated water <laughs> like 99 percent. everything else is in like the naught basically expensive water 
yeah basically just flavored expensive water <laughs> um, with a little <laughs> bit of caffeine in it and to me the caffeine doesn't touch me so i i don't um, it doesn't touch me either i'm used to drinking a couple of costas a day yeah exactly you drink you're used to that 330 ml of caffeine <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i just wanted to touch very briefly on that and i wouldn't be sat you drinking the original version because i don't want to be pouring one the unnecessary calories or the unnecessary sugar into my body but the zero sugar version which has got 13 calories in it and a small amount of caffeine and is 99 percent water I've got no issues. I mean, I wouldn't sit here drinking them all day, every day. I do still drink my two to three litres of actual water on its own. And I wouldn't recommend that people just use this as a source of hydration, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, don't necessarily look at things and assume that they're bad. I think they've got a little bit of a bad rep. Yeah, recently. they have. And I've seen quite a lot of posts going out, you know, like I said, calling it the devil with all of these arrows that just have absolutely no sense or evidence or anything like that to them so i know we've mentioned monsters a couple of times on this podcast but again i just thought it was a good time to to bring it up while we were talking about ingredients lists and things that are good and bad for you and what should be included in your diet but i think the ultimate take home from everything that we've said today is like we always reiterate all of the time there is no good or bad food it's what you're having in the rest of your diet that counts. You know, if, yeah. you're buying, if you're buying a food that's full of reds all over it, like red salt, red fat and all of that, and you're eating that all day, every day, obviously that's not going to be the best diet for you. Um, but having the odd one, if you're eating great stuff around that, then happy days, enjoy it. So we just wanted to, like I said earlier, give people a bit more knowledge to understand what they're out looking at, what to look out for, and to make informed decisions based on the diet that they're following, and to not be afraid to have fat, despite things, lots of things being labelled reduced fat, low in fat, reduced fat, or, you know, and not being afraid to have a little bit of sugar in your diet either, because equally that's not going to cause you to get fat or cause any harm unless you're pouring it down in bucket loads all day. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, reduce fat, low fat doesn't necessarily mean lowering calories. So just be aware of that. So if you go in for something that's reduced fat, just maybe um, have a look and compare it to the original. So yeah, interesting. And I'd be interested if anybody does actually go out and start comparing some of the foods that they eat with normal versions or anything, if you find anything you know, that's come as a bit of a shock or a surprise to you. And you're yeah, like, well, definitely. Let, let us know, send us a message and let us know, because I think it's really interesting for people to go out and start analysing these things and understanding for themselves. So I'd be interested to know if, if there's something that you've religiously eaten that's reduced fat or low in fat, and then you look at the original version and find that it's not actually that much different or a protein item or whatever it is, let us know, because that'll be interesting yeah i would awesome i think that's it for today yeah thank you all so much for listening hopefully you found that beneficial and you've got some good stuff out of it to take away and implement yourself and we will catch you next week yeah next week is going to be a q a so if you've got any questions please send them to either myself or jessica um and then we'll answer them on the next podcast yeah okay have a lush week bye, bye.